0: This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights Week 1 Recap. It was a Wild weekend at points, but a ho-hum weekend at other points. A lot of cupcake games and matchups, and then a couple games, thankfully, at the end of the weekend to save what otherwise was a pretty uneventful Saturday. One one lone game that I know we'll get into uh, as we talk about everything that happened in week one. I don't know if this is him dodging, uh, having to talk about what happened on Saturday to his TCU Horn Frogs, but... Uh, Pierce is not joining on this episode. It is going to be a solo episode here. Uh, Just me talking. He has sent over his good, bad, and ugly and his dudes of the week. So we'll cover all of that. But uh, he did have his fantasy football draft and I'm about to leave town. So we just didn't have time with the short week. So just going to handle it solo here tonight. Hopefully everybody's cool with that. Um, How are y'all doing? I know that's a rhetorical question. You can't answer me, but hopefully you had a fun Week one, a lot of games. Um, I will say I was out in Austin, Texas uh, for the podcast Live show. Took advantage of being within a mile of UT Austin's campus. Went and walked around. Got myself some Torchy Tacos. Went and walked around campus. Uh, took in the sights and sounds. And I was texting everybody saying, you know, I know it's a 2.30 kick and it's rice, but it's really sleepy here close to noon. And uh, then I happened upon the stadium and uh, saw some of that game day atmosphere. I'm excited next year, the dogs take a trip to Austin, and I'm already starting to get my plans together because uh, I definitely need to go back there and get to experience it myself. Texas had uh, a good showing versus Rice for what it's worth, and uh, they have a big, big week two matchup in Tuscaloosa, Alabama to take on the Crimson Tide next week, which is the marquee matchup of the weekend, and we'll break that down in our week two picks, so don't miss that. Pierce will be back for that episode, uh, and if you are in the pick don't forget you do have those to do as well. That is uh, the first game does not kick off till Saturday. So there is no Friday games to worry about this week. Just Saturday. It's just the top 25 that we do with our pick Um, Well, let's talk about how we did in the pick Uh Personally, on the head-to-head match at first Pierce, both of us didn't do too hot. We went three and seven on the weekend in our uh, podcast pickums. Here's the deal. A little bit of, you know, appeal behind the onion layer, you know, whatever, how the cheese is made, I think is actually what it's supposed to be said there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do minimal cuts on this, so you're going to hear me kind of flub some things, just FYI. If we turn our attention to the bragging rights pick them we had a tie week one. Grant Cardale and Tim Sastito they tied. Tim did have the tiebreaker in that one, so he won week one, but they are tied on the overall leaderboard. Tiebreaks don't come into play there. I came in second place, Tied with Zach, uh, and that was seventeen and nine. They went eighteen and eight. So uh, it's it's but other. I mean, it's pretty much anybody's game. Right behind there's a bunch of sixteen and tens. So get those picks in. You have until Saturday, and uh, let's let's keep it rolling. I'm part of a bigger pool with about 150 people that actually you know there's there's a fair amount of money involved in that. Um, And I I won week one, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. I just need to start maybe taking some time to think more on the podcast because I'm obviously picking okay. As, a, as, as of right now, anything could happen. It's a long season. Long season. Um, all right, well, let's get into it. Our good, our bad, and our uglies of the week. Uh, I've got mine. I've got Pierce's. I'll start off, and I'll just do mine, and then we'll go through Pierce's. My good of the week is Notre Dame. They've had two pretty impressive wins. It's not necessarily a big headline this week with what happened over the past two weekends. Everybody watched, obviously, Week 0 when they took down Navy over there in Dublin in, in impressive fashion, but they did it again this past week. Um, I think the final score was like 53 to three or something like that. So, um, all in all, they are having a, a fairly good and I, it's kind of a quiet start to the season. Like I said, despite the fact that they did start off with all of the eyes on them in Dublin, um, They're kind of having a quiet start of the season. They've only played Navy and Tennessee State, but I like what I'm seeing from Sam Hartman. I think that that transfer in from Wake is proving to be a very vital one for them. And here's the other reason why this is a good particular weekend for Notre Dame. I'm not a Notre Dame fan, and I don't have a lot of Notre Dame fans in my life, so I just can see what I see on the internet. And I think there was a lot of, oh, crap, when Brian Kelly left of like what a traitor. not quite to the level of Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC, but a lot of like, okay, like this guy, at least he, I mean, let's be honest here. He won at Notre Dame. He was a winner at Notre Dame. He did take them to um, a national title. They did not win. They got walloped, but uh, you know, he was doing everything you need to do at Notre Dame. He just wasn't able to win the big one or put them in that playoff discussion. And they got Marcus Freeman. They were high on that. A lot of people were like, okay, maybe whatever last year. Not a great start to the season. Um, and then this year to turn around, have two big old wins, 56 to 3, 42 to 3, respectively. And what happened with Ryan Kelly at LSU? When he ended the season, everybody was like, that's it. He's national title bound. He's gonna, you know, they were top five at the start of the season. And then what the showing that they had versus FSU, who is a good team, mind you, who is a good team this year. Uh, and it it lose three of the last four, and you're just kind of like, okay, you might have beat Alabama at home, but I don't know, you know. You start kind of thinking, okay, maybe we were a little bit too high on the Brian Kelly train, uh, and, and maybe we need to reassess that a little bit. So Notre Dame fans, it's all, all coming up, uh, coming up roses for you. Uh, my bad of the week. We saw it on Monday night, just when we thought this the week was kind of winding down, and they were. I mean, I got him at twelve and a half. I think. I think I saw it as low as eleven and a half, but a lot of people got in there at thirteen. I think at some points it was uh, minus fifteen for Clemson. And this the the showing that they had on Monday night versus Duke was just absolutely um, lackluster, atrocious. Everybody's making fun of and saying Clemsoning's back. Uh, you know, for a long time, people said that Clemsoning is that thing where you really shouldn't lose, but you find ways to lose. And you know, they had kind of righted that ship for all intents and purposes. They have won a couple national championships. They have put some really good quarterbacks in the league and really good players in the league um, over the last few years with Dabo. And so maybe people were thinking that this might be the year. Pierce made a prediction on this podcast that Clemson would make it into the playoffs. A lot of people were thinking, okay, they're going to be back. They're riding the ship. And, and maybe this is the year that they, they kind of get back into that national playoff picture. Not all hope is lost, I don't think. I think at this point, it's, it's hard to even say like an LSU or a Clemson is dead because it really anything could happen, save for maybe Baylor losing to Texas State. Uh, you know, anything could happen. But really bad showing, 28-7, their final versus Duke. I didn't want to put Duke as my good, because quite frankly, Duke did everything they could to lose that game as well. They didn't have a lights out game. Uh, but but Clemson just absolutely had a bad showing. They had uh, four, no, five, five trips to the red zone that resulted in seven points total. Uh, you know, two blocked kicks, two turnovers. In those uh, series, not great. Uh, shout out, though, to Duke and Riley Leonard getting it done. Um, they're in Wallace Wade Stadium. Fun to see them rush the field and everything. Um, and, and uh, you know, hey, Mike Elko, he is quietly, um, not quietly, because last season he, he had a pretty good season too, but maybe people thought that was their ceiling. And uh, he, maybe, maybe, maybe they're showing that, hey, like we got some magic in us. Uh, but But we'll see. You know, in the next coming weeks, we'll see if it was really – Duke won this game or Clemson lost. I think it was Clemson lost this week. Um, And I think that when you look at it, I don't know why Clemson doesn't use the transfer portal. It's proven to work. Um, For some reason, Dabo doesn't want to do that. And I get culturally, you have this certain culture. A lot of people call it a cult there at Clemson. You have this certain culture that, you know, doesn't bode well for a transfer portal type setting, but you got to go get plug pieces and go get uh, talent when it's out there. You have a get big national brand. It's waning because of what you're doing the past few years, but you have a big national brand. People would love to come play for Clemson. Uh like I've said, you've proven to get people in the league. So I don't know why he doesn't do that, but maybe maybe something will change for them and they'll get some stuff together, but uh they've got a big one in a couple weeks first FSU and uh, I'm not sure they've got enough time to turn that around. And my ugly of the week it is the Florida Gators. They were on Thursday night. It was the first really big game of the season. You had the number 14 Utah Utes and the Florida Gators. You had Cam Rising not playing. Everybody was thinking, okay, this is the whole heart and soul of the team. This is the reason that they won the Pac-12 championship last year. Florida could go in there and, and you know, do have magic happen again. Obviously, they won last year in the Swamp. But 24-11, to 11, the final score there. Cam Rising didn't play. They didn't need him. I texted a group chat after the first series and was like, I have made a grave error hand up. I had Utah in both of my pickums. I didn't pick them on the podcast, but both my pickums, I had Utah, and I was working out and I saw Cam Rising wasn't playing about an hour before kickoff and I was like, "Boom, go change it." Still had time to do so, changed them both to Florida, and I was kicking myself for that one. I should have stayed with Utah because they got that one done. They looked good. I do think that they're going to be a threat to, you know, the USC's and the Oregon's of the world over in the Pac-12, especially if they get Cam Rising back. But again, I don't think it matters. But on the flip side of things, the reason why Florida's the ugly performance of the week is because It wasn't just a bad showing from them. It was a poor coached team. At one point when they had two number threes on a punt, and that resulted in the ball being Utah ball again with a first down, you can't have those kinds of mistakes happen. And if those happen, you want to see some kind of accountability and some kind of being able to turn that kind of stuff around. And Billy Napier looks lost. I'm not quite sure what they're going to do here. He is fully square on the hot seat now. I don't see it getting better. Graham Mertz looked not good. Um, And, 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 you know, I didn't know how that would go. I thought to myself, Hey, he's not the best quarterback you could have gotten for the transfer portal, but he did play at Wisconsin. He's played big time ball before. Maybe he can make something happen. Um, And that's just not the case. So, you can blame it on Billy didn't have a lot of recruits and he hasn't had a lot of time to turn things around I think he's just not a great in-game coach and I think that they are in for a tough tough season of the swamp and you could be looking at a team that at the end of the season is uh you know second worst maybe even worse in the SEC uh, you know you still have Vanderbilt there but I, I'm not sure they lost to Vanderbilt last year so I don't know if anything changes, but, uh, not a great showing from them, uh, in their debut versus Utah. Let's flip it over to Pierce's good, bad and ugly picks. His good was the Florida state Seminoles. I talked about LSU a little bit, but I'll go ahead and talk about that game again on Sunday night, number five LSU Tigers, the number eight Florida state Seminoles, Florida state looked, I mean, a lot of penalties looked sloppy. I was scared. Um, for those of you who don't know, I did attend Florida State University. So they are my secondary team. The dogs are still my primary team, but I do, I, I feel heavily invested with the Knowles. There is a Florida State Bar here. I got off the plane from Austin, Texas, took a quick nap, turned around, went to that that bar because I wanted to be with people and I was like, this will be fun. And first half, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, you know, I might, I might leave here in the third quarter if, if things don't turn around. Still a close game, but a lot of sloppy plays from Florida State. Um, and then it was all goals in the second half, 45 to 24. Like I said, the final there, uh, great showing from uh, FSU, great showing from Jordan Travis. Um, he, let's see, I'm pulling up his stats really quick. I know Pierce doesn't have him as one of his dudes, but I'll go ahead and throw it honorary dude for him. 23 of 31 for 342 yards in the air, four touchdowns, did throw one interception, but he also had a rush. Uh, rushing TD to make up for it, 38 yards on the ground, not great there, but it doesn't matter because they had ability to air it out. And here's the thing, he had more yards, but he had a lot of drops as well. So um, that kind of happened across the board with teams, a lot of drops. And, uh, you know, if they get that squared up, I really like FSU's chances. Um, I think that they could make some noise. And when I see what happened to Clemson, on Monday night, I'm thinking to myself, this is their ACC to lose. So got to stay healthy, got to keep playing the games and doing well and delivering, but a really good showing from FSU, and that is why it's Pierce's good of the week. His bad of the week, his TCU Horn Frogs, um, didn't – I, I kind of watched this one in the background while I was getting ready on Saturday, um, and I really honestly didn't expect it to come down to this. I really thought that, you know, even, even going into the fourth quarter, I thought, well, you know, maybe – maybe something happens here. They kept it close. It was a 45-42 game, but when you're a 20-point favorite, you can't help that people are going to be like, oh my gosh, freak it out. Here's the thing. Accountability moment for everybody. TCU, what they did last year was a lightning in a bottle of the moment. It was not a, oh my gosh, TCU is this next powerhouse moment. Could have been. If they came out here in, in Wallops, Colorado, it could have been. But I think we all knew and maybe got ahead of our skis a little bit of like, well, they were in the national championship last year. Yeah, but they had a lot of close wins last year, and they lost Max Duggan, which, quite frankly, was he the only reason why they even made it to the national championship, people are asking. Uh, so not a great showing from TCU. Um, that defense, not good. But on the flip side of things, Colorado, you got to love what Coach Prime has done there. Deion Sanders, you know, like him or not, and I'm, I'm hand up, I'm not the biggest fan of him and his antics. I just, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I am a little bit salty. He didn't come to FSU. I mean, he he wanted to come to FSU, but we had bigger plans, I guess. But, uh, you know, he has basically come out and said he would never coach for FSU, even if they came groveling to him. So, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about him. But what he did... And what he has done at Colorado already, they only won one game last year. They've already matched that through week one, obviously brought in his son. His son had a fantastic weekend. Uh, Travis Hunter had a fantastic weekend on both sides of the ball. What he's doing is phenomenal and and a little bit unprecedented. We haven't seen in a while in college football. Um, So, you know, you do love what you see from Colorado. They've got a big one upcoming versus Nebraska. I'm sure everybody's eyes will be turned to that. It went from Nebraska, I think, being about a touchdown favorite to now Colorado is a three-point favorite there. So, uh, you know, you already seen that line move, and you already seen the coach prime effect in full force. Um, and and we'll see if they can really make a name for themselves in the last year of the Pac-12, they, of course, being in the Big 12 next year. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a fun time. Don't know how long he'll stay there. He is definitely going to get a bigger, and I, I don't mean to not Colorado, but he's going to get a bigger coaching job at some point. Um and, and, you know, it'll happen all over again. But for right now, what he's doing at Colorado is absolutely phenomenal. And the ugly of the week, Pierce had the Baylor Bears. Like I mentioned, they did lose to Texas State on Saturday, which is just a really tough look for them. The Big 12 in general did not have a great showing on Saturday. I think the entire state of Texas, minus Texas and Texas A&M, for the most part, um, did not have... A great weekend, but the, they lost thirty-one or forty-two to thirty-one to Texas State, um, and that is Texas State's first win over a Power Five team ever. So not great on the Baylor Bears behalf. Um, and to make matters worse, uh, their quarterback Shapen did go down with an injury and is not expected to play. I don't know the timeline on his injury, but he will not be back next week. Uh, when they uh, uh, let's see, who do they take on next week? Baylor's got. Oh, when they go, uh, they have Utah at home. So that's going to be tough for them. Uh, so that is going to be a tough situation for them uh, and and not great. But just all in all, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about this game. I didn't watch a single second of it. But you're supposed to win your cupcakes, at the very least win your cupcakes, you know, and, and they didn't do that. So we'll see if they can turn around. But it might be a long season for the Baylor Bears. Last but not least, let me talk about our dudes of the week, people that absolutely balled out. Got a shorter list this week. Um, A lot of people we could have mentioned, but it's hard. You're not going to mention teams that played cupcakes. Look at you, Georgia. Look at you, Michigan. Um, We're not going to talk about those. So we're going to talk about the ones who had good showings or had shocking moments. Uh, So we'll start off with quarterback Shador Sanders from Colorado. He went 38 of of 47 for 510 yards, four touchdowns, like I mentioned. I Absolutely loved him. Uh, had a great weekend. I went ahead and sprinkled a tiny bit on him. Heisman odds. I understand this is overreaction time and Heisman odds after week one can, you know, if, if the Heisman was one after week one, then none of the previous Heismans would have won. Let's put it this way. Um, but I went ahead and did it because if he, he's putting up numbers like this and he's going to be in the spotlight because of the fact that his dad is the coach and, and, and the fact that his dad just, you know, is was a magnetic for, Conductor for eyeballs. Uh, I, I really like him. I really like him. To put, I put a little bit down on him for uh, the Heisman. Uh, also, quarterback Cam Ward from Washington State, 37 of uh, 49 for five or 451 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Washington State getting it done and uh, uh, staying up there in the Apple State, the QB for Washington. Michael Penix Jr., 29 of 40 for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Let's move it on to running back Kamani Vidal from Troy. 25 rushes for 248 yards. Uh, Wide receiver Chris Mitchell, FIU. Nine receptions for 201 yards and two TDs. And then on both sides of the ball, wide receiver, defensive back, Travis Hunter, Colorado. 11 receptions for 119 yards. And he had an interception to boot on the other side of the ball. Might have sprinkled a little bit on him as well because if he keeps putting up numbers, People are going to love that. Uh, And then wide receiver Keon Coleman for FSU, nine receptions for 122 yards and three TDs. Like I said, a lot of other dudes there. Uh, I would throw potentially out the Duke defense special teams because of what they did and holding Clemson to that. Uh, I think that was a dude moment as well. Um, So those were our dudes of the week. Uh, I I do have a couple overreactions. My first one being that Colorado could be a playoff team. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. I mean, you could be looking at them and, I don't know if, I, I I mean, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Um, my other reaction is Billy Napier is not going to make it through the season. That might not be an overreaction. That might might actually come to terms, might actually happen. Um, if we talk about the bigger teams really quick, um, you know, and what they did, I'm worried for Ohio State. That's an overreaction. They have a quarterback problem. They won uh, versus Indiana 23-3, to but they played both quarterbacks. Both of them looked shaky. Both of them didn't look good. I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine who's an Ohio State fan. You kind of want to now. A lot of teams, you'll see a lot of teams don't name a starting quarterback until you know week of or or, you know even day before game or whatever. They don't they don't necessarily go ahead and anoint their quarterback before the season starts. But everything you heard coming out of camp, where there's smoke, there's fire, and people were saying it's really not clear cut, and that scares me when there's not a clear cut. One side of the argument is well, that means we've got two good QBs. The other side of the argument is yeah, but it means one of them is not getting first team reps for a long stretch of time in camp um and that's not great you want to have a quarterback who's getting more first first team reps first team touches and you know if, if it was really as shaky as the camp rumors led you to believe then yeah i'm not surprised of what happened so i think they'll get it together i think something will happen and they'll figure it out um but but you know a lot of people made the point it's tough what they've done to just have Good quarterback, good, not good, excellent quarterback play over and over and over again and just continue to hit. At some point, something was going to falter, and you got to hope you have the pieces around to deal with somebody who's not necessarily a Justin Fields or a CJ Stroud. Uh, and so we're seeing that now. You know, you've got Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. They didn't have great showings. I think, like I said, I think Ohio State will be fine, but you do have two tough matchups. You've got Penn State, who Drew Allard did great. You've got Michigan, who JJ McCarthy looks like he's you know made a little bit of an improvement. I still don't love him, but he's made a little bit of an improvement. And you've got to play those two teams, and, and you've got to deliver. And so, and one of those is in the big house. So you got it. You got to figure it out. So I'm a little bit scared for them. But the big team, you know the other big name teams that played cupcakes, they delivered. Slow starts for a couple of them, got it done though. So not a great week one slate, but uh, it was football. It was real football. Had a fun, a few fun uh, matchups they're sprinkled throughout. Hopefully this week will be better. And then, you know, obviously week three, you really get into conference play. So I'm really excited with how this season's going. There has yet to be a team that we've anointed as, Oh my gosh, this team is so much better than everybody else. Um, and, and like I said, this week at the top, Texas, Alabama, is going to be the marquee matchup. Really excited to see if Texas can get over that hump. They almost beat Alabama last year. That game was at home, but it was with Bryce young as well. And Quinn Ewers got hurt on the flip side of things. Jalen Miller looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. Um, you know, they played nobody. They played MTSU, but did look pretty good. And we'll see, uh, you know, if he can do, you know, do not the impossible. Cause everybody's, you know, people are expecting them to potentially win, but if he can, you know, kind of really put Texas in their place and win, even a close matchup. I think that cements him with high was pretty favorable. Heisman odds. I think all of a sudden people who picked Alabama to potentially win the national championship are starting to look a little bit better. I still don't necessarily fully believe in them, but we'll see. Um, and then was there one more I was going to touch on? Oh, Tennessee, Tennessee. Um, They had a lot of issues with drops as well. Joe Milton did look good. the The one highlight everybody's showing is that where he threw a beautiful bomb and it just fell right through his receiver's hands. So we'll see. Um, I you know everybody nobody everybody knows he's got the arm strength. Nobody's saying he doesn't have the arm strength. I worry a little bit with his touch and his finesse. I remember when Matthew Stafford was the quarterback at Georgia, he would throw the ball a million miles an hour, and it just would sometimes it would just bounce right off of you know the the receivers' uh, numbers, and you can't have that. So a little bit of touch, a little bit of finesse from Joe. I do think he's gotten better from when we saw him last season before Hooker took over. But I really am worried about the receivers. And that's an overreaction, hand up, overreaction. But you had a lot of good receivers last year, and um, I, I'm worried about that room a little bit. Uh, defense to look better. It was Virginia. Tennessee fans don't get too excited. Um, but all in all, you know, hey, you got it done. And, uh, you know, you move on to to 1-0, and that's all you got to do. Uh, it'll be a really fun matchup at the end of November with Georgia who had a slow start itself. I didn't get to watch any of this game, um, but I did watch, I literally watched the replay last night. Wasn't on TV, so I had to wait until they replayed it on SEC Network. Um, yeah, I mean, you got you got it done. You got it done what you needed to get done. Carson Beck definitely uh, has a little bit of room for improvement. Wide receiver, uh, you know, we knew the wide receiver room was going to be tough. A lot, of, a lot of players got touches. You know, we'll see how that works. Running back by committee is not my favorite way to play, but that's fine. Um, receivers had some drops. Arian Smith, get your life together. Um, but, you know, other than that, the, the lines were a little shaky. Defense played great. Lines were a little shaky. It was UT Martin. You don't have to play phenomenal. That's okay. Move on to 1-0. Get over it. You got Ball State. You got another game to tune up at home before you bring in South Carolina, who did not look good as they lost to UNC. Um, and really quickly, Shane Beamer, your, your end of the game excuse about the chain gang, getting hot dogs and stuff, that is just pitiful. That could have been my bad performance of the week, too. There was a, there was several, but not, not great showing from him. Um, Spencer Rattler, whew, tough season, uh, but better for UNC. Defense looked better, so I'm so excited to see what happens with them. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we knew Georgia had a cupcake schedule, and it's looking like September is going to be easy, breezy, beautiful until they uh, go to the Plains to take on Auburn, so – I like what I see there. Um, all right. I've rambled for like 26 minutes. So I'm going to end here. Hopefully I haven't talked too fast and haven't talked too much. Um, but make sure you're following us on social media at bragging pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm trying to be more active on Instagram. Got to get Pierce more active on Twitter. He was in a wedding last weekend. So We both weren't really able to sit down and just watch games. So that'll get better here in the coming weeks. So make sure you're following us at Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. We'll be back literally probably within a few hours because I'm recording this Wednesday morning. We're going to record again Wednesday night. So I probably will turn around and release these pretty quickly. So you're going to have week two predictions and previews um, in your feed shortly. If you are in the pick and pool, do not forget. You have until Saturday at noon Eastern time to get your picks in. At that point, it's locked. I think. I think I have the settings locked. You might be able to change uh, games. But just go ahead and get it in. Just don't worry about it anymore. Get it in. Don't worry about it. All right. That is going to do it finally for me here. Pierce is not here. So I will take it out in true Pierce fashion. For Pierce, I'm Madison. Stay blessed, y'all.